I always stretch before a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta gotta make sure you're limber. Yeah, uh, let me get my notes. Don't let me forget. You need to sign it. Okay. And I've forgotten every time. What did I just do right now? (laughs) I've thought about doing it before. Here, I got a pen. Does it make you, like, feel like it's not... I feel like it's, like, that'd be, like... I don't know. Signing a marriage certificate before, before you, meet. you before you meet like <laughs> doesn't make any sense that makes no sense here oh, you feel why, that why don't you sign it now about it <laughs> and let's see how i feel yeah and if it sucks then i'll scratch it out <laughs> there you go what the hell is that it's my signature <laughs> it's so tall <laughs> yeah <laughs> duh wow okay Woo. Off to a good start. Well, wait. Did you read the notes that I made for no, you? No, that's your no. approving of the notes. No, 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 no. No, I don't want to. I don't like that. Okay. I don't like reading Sorry. the notes before. So I do a lot of uh, of uh, interview stuff for weddings. Uh huh. And one of my one of the things I actually tell them is I won't give you the questions beforehand. I yeah. Just won't do it because I don't want to be like we first met and have it all rehearsed. Uh huh. So. Well, uh, know the notes. My notes are a little different though. Oh really? For instance, lighting. What's up with that? <laughs> As one of my notes, okay. I know what that means to me, <laughs> and we'll get there. Starburst, uh, what? Jelly beans? I'm good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> it's the first thing I put in my mouth this morning. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, man. Yeah. Wait, you were saying besides... Are we rolling? <laughs> yes. Okay, never mind. <laughs> All right, censorship. All right. All right. Uh, well, mm. we have officially started. There's no beginnings to these. They just, kind of, they just kind of like the Big Bang. They just are. just happen, <laughs> just and just open. Um, it's April twenty second, two thousand fifteen. I'm sitting here with Lars Lindstrom. Yeah, and this is a pretty momentous occasion for us here at Sidekickback Radio. Oh, yes, um, because you are the first cinematographer. All right, MTP. yes. Slow clap, bringing it in. All right. <laughs> so welcome. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice and early. I'm here in Azusa, California with you. Yeah. Have you ever been in Azusa for anything else? In and out. I know there's a good in and out here. There is. There is a good in and out. <laughs> On road trips with my family, <laughs> we sometimes stop in Azusa for the in and out. I think there's an in and out here. Let's go ahead and stop. Oh, no. We know all the good in and outs. There's one here. There's one in, the one in Barstow. Oh, wow. Is another good one. Wow. Um, you know, depending on which road you take. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> really good in and out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll start at the beginning. Yeah. Like we always do. Mm-hmm. In life. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you from originally? Glendora. Glendora? Cal- California. Glendora, California. Which is... Kind of close. About two miles away. Yeah. Yeah, so I landed kind of close. You did. Yeah, I bounced around. I I, uh, I I got my undergrad in Idaho, uh, so I was there for okay. three or four years. Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. It is. Yeah, I lived in Paraguay for a couple of years, uh-huh. uh, and I lived in Pasadena for a couple of years. Wow! Wow! We just jumped. Hold on, <laughs> back it up. Okay, so you're from Glendora. Yeah, let's baby steps. Two okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Coffee's still kicking in. <laughs> yeah. You started in Glendora, yeah. and, and that's where you went to high school, I'd imagine? Yeah, Glendora yeah. High School. Okay. Graduated in 04. Awesome. Uh, what, 
uh, were you like in high school? Were you as fun and bubbly as you are now? I don't know. Probably, no, I don't think so. I think I was a little bit more emo. Because I had like... Really? My sophomore year, I had this girlfriend that just crushed me. Just crushed oh, me. Oh, no. And so, like, and so I was just like, the whole rest of my high school experience, it was just like, all right, how do I get her back? But she's with CJ. You know what Not I mean? Not CJ. <laughs> Not CJ. <laughs> and so, I don't know. It's just kind of a... I was just... Uh, I was a little bit more depressed. But uh, I did it by choice. Did like, you have was, like the cool thing. Did you, know you have I mean? longer hair and do the front sweep? Uh, no. Uh, no. Uh, My hair is too curly. Every Like, I did grow it out in high school, but it was more of an afro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was hysterical. I should show you some pictures. I would love to see yeah. that. Now I wish... This is the first time I wished this was a visual podcast just yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, little Ken Burns, yeah, <laughs> Lars Lindstrom, high school. <laughs> Afro. Um, so, um, one of my favorite questions to ask is: you go back in time to high school, you open up your Walkman CD player. Mm. What CD is in there? Um, there's a band. It's been my favorite band since high school. It's uh, Rilo Kylie. <laughs> We know, heard of Rado Kylie. <laughs> we're, we're not uh, we're not from the Stone Age, Lars. Uh, I'm, I I'm know cool. of good music. Rado Kylie, uh, Jenny Lewis is the front uh-huh. front man, singer, front woman, front singer, lady, front lady. And uh, oh my gosh, I could listen to I still could listen to Rado Kylie constantly. It's either that or Weezer or Ozma or The nice. Shins. Uh, nice. Those are some of the pre-Garden State Shins, or of course, of course, I pre-Garden State Shins. I remember. I mean, that's how I knew of the Shins was, and how a lot of people did was Garden, Garden State. State. What are you listening to? New slang. It'll change your life. life. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, cool. So you said you went to after that. You went to undergrad in Idaho. I did. Was it Boise so State, I, well, or? I should say before after I graduated. Uh, I, I worked at Guitar Center for a couple years in Covina, just down the street. And um, then I went to South America. Then, then I did my trip there. Oh, wow. It was two years in South America. Paraguay, actually. Wow. So what did you do in Paraguay? I was a, I was a missionary, actually. Oh. Yeah. So are you guys allowed to talk about religions on this podcast? I don't know, guys. Are we? Just <laughs> look around? Yep. Anyone? Objections? No, actually, okay. we, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Judaism we talk a lot about, but... <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> no, no. So I, yeah, I was a missionary yeah. in uh, in Paraguay for a couple years. It was mm-hmm. fun, man. It was crazy. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Because they try to they try to get it so that you kind of live like they do, and it's a third world country. Paraguay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we didn't live in some of the extreme conditions, of course, but uh, I mean, we paid like seventy five dollars a month for our rent, and it was like a full house. Wow. Like, we had like a three bedroom, two bathroom house, like seventy five dollars a month. It's nuts. So, what was your like day to day like? Because I don't know what missionaries do. We don't really have those in Reform Judaism. Um, okay. So, what 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 do you yeah? What do you do? Well, I mean, there's it's uh, it's the Mormon gospel, mm-hmm. uh, and we basically just kind of support the Mormons that are there currently and see if they have anything that uh, they need help with. Um, and you're talking Paraguayan Mormons. Yes, Paraguayan okay. Mormons. Yeah, and then and then we uh, we something called tract. Where you you actually like go and like knock on doors and you talk to people and kind of educate them on what Mormons believe in the gospel and so yeah it's it's straight up missionary wow. work so that's two years of that two years of that yeah, and I imagine some traveling and enjoying the, the no, sites. no 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 like you didn't do any you, hiking or anything no or when you like when you sign up to be a missionary it's twenty four seven what two years yeah wow. you can call home twice a year 
What? You can call home on Mother's Day and once on Christmas. You can email once a week. It's like, Whoa. it's intense, dude. It's a dedication thing. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back, man. And, we could, and I could <laughs> we call you. And... Yeah. <laughs> I got dengue fever twice. Jeez. Which is, which is bad. <laughs> if you get it more than like three times, then you're the pretty th- much... You're done? You're pretty much done. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really glad you're back then. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, made it. We made okay, it. Okay, so, so, and then you went to college. I didn't, then I went to after college. After all that. Yeah. Wow. So, high school... No one saw that. That's no. Cool. Yeah. No one saw you drop the Starburst jelly bean. <laughs> oh, shit. I said it. Um, so, uh, you call it, uh, sorry, high school, then Guitar Center. Yeah. Then Paraguayan missionary work for two years. Right. Then. Back to Guitar Center for a year. Oh, back to Guitar Center. Yeah. Wow. And then and then college. my And then my college. How, how old were you? I don't know. I think I was, was 22. Whoa. When I started and were you surrounded by 18-year-olds, or was it like mm-hmm. a, Well, the thing, though, is it was a Mormon college. Oh, okay. Got it was BYU-Idaho. And so a lot Got of it. the guys also had done this mission thing. Yeah, yeah, that, okay. And the girls. A lot of the girls did, too. And so, yeah, everybody's a little bit older. But I burned through it, man. I I, uh, I graduated when I was 24. Wow. Yeah, four-year so degree two, in, like, two, two and a half years. Yeah, pushing three, so. That's awesome. I actually, I... Uh, I decided to do Jewish studies minor in my senior year of oh, college, oh. and it it was I had to petition the university to allow me to take more than the allowed units. Yeah, because I wanted it, and it's I like won- how many like twenty four. It was twenty seven units per quarter, <laughs> and the maximum was twenty four. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was I was taking classes in private, and oh. I was it was I can't believe I did that to myself, but yeah. made it. Made wow, it through. good from I'm yeah. glad you're here. You- we're here. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> we made it. It's this journey. <laughs> Gone to life A Jew and a Mormon walk into a podcast. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, oh, so, uh, I demand, did you study film? At no. So, here's, here's, the, here's the deal, man. Um, yeah, man. I was an audio engineer. What? Uh, yeah. I was an audio engineer in high school. And so, like, I would record all the local bands, the high school bands and stuff. And, um, like, I mean, I, I mentioned before, I have this microphone that I bought to you. Like, mm-hmm. so I have a case of mics and I've got audio gear that it just kind of collects dust now. But, um, Crazy. yeah, so I, uh, I, that's why I went to Guitar Center. I, w- I was the manager at the pro audio department, uh, in Covina for a little while. And I just, I loved audio and I thought I was going to be an audio engineer. And then GarageBand happened. And oh. suddenly the audio, I could see the writing on the wall that there just wasn't going to be a super great future for audio engineers yeah it's just gonna be one of those things that anybody with a microphone and garage band could like produce something actually like pretty amazing like a podcast like a podcast like right now exactly so um <laughs> except so, i'm using audacity thank you audacity yeah thank you software oh man I, I used to love audacity that was fun yeah you fell out of love with pinch well yeah i mean you can get you know <laughs> you no. probably have like super awesome programs now like, i so. i had i used logic logic was my editor mm-hmm. of choice and uh, Pro Tools. Pro Tools, I was okay. I, I wasn't my favorite. So I, I was always like angry that you had to buy the hardware. The inbox? Yeah. To, that, to yeah, make the I'm, software work. Well, and now I'm so annoyed because... I'm like, oh, whatever. Well, I installed all the, all, the, all the software and the licensing on my desktop computer, which no longer works. Right. And the inbox is so protected. Yeah. That you just can't... 
put it anywhere else. No, it's you know? it was insane. So I hated that. Yeah. Like I loved that I could with uh, with an audio interface or no, I could launch Logic. I could edit my projects with headphones or whatever. Like if I was away on my laptop. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they've changed that since. So if you're listening, <laughs> DigiDesign or Pro Tools, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. You kind of <laughs> fucked me over a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so okay, yeah. So you're an audio engineer, and that's what you studied at BYU. No, I went no? to BYU and studied advertising because I could kind of, I kind of knew that it was like, but I, it was still my passion. So I was like, what if I just kind of study something that's like maybe possibly a different option that might help me out in the future? Um, and but I was an audio engineer. That was my campus job. So like. All the bands would come into town, and I would go record them onto mm-hmm. 24-track Alesis uh, ADAT, and I would bring it up to our 5.1 mixing console, and I would I would mix the, the shows. And so that was like, that was my on-campus job. It was super fun. I liked it a lot. Um, but then while I was there it, doing my undergrad, there was this, this uh, curriculum course, one-credit curriculum course in the communications department uh, called ICOM Social Media, and it basically was an ad agency for the local businesses and uh they kind of sort of had a video department side and i was starting to get interested in video because i was doing location sound now for this on-campus job and i was looking at the uh the people lighting and i was looking at the cameras and it just i thought they were doing a bad job first of all (laughs) and then i thought i this is this seems like a really great new idea or venture mm-hmm. you know like look at these cool cameras and lights like it's, there's so much more i could learn <laughs> yeah. so i started to get interested in that and then uh, this curriculum course came around and they didn't really have a video department so i talked to the the department head said i want to i want to join this group and then i want to run it in a semester and i uh, said okay and so i i joined and i did like a couple of really crappy campus commercials you know it was just like read the local newspaper on campus <laughs> you know and uh but i shot on what i thought at the time were just like the best cameras in the world it was like a sony z1u it was like a four thousand dollar camera and i was like i can't believe i'm holding a four thousand dollar camera you know little did you know all right 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 it's like Flash forward six years later, five years later. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, so I did that, and I just really fell in love with it. I fell in love with the editing process. And, uh, I mean, I should mention that even in high school, like, friends would come over, and, and I had Final Cut Pro, and uh, and I would edit, like, people's videos for mm-hmm. school projects and stuff. So I always enjoyed editing. Um, and so I always liked filmmaking, but I just enjoyed audio more mm-hmm. until my uh, undergrad gotcha awesome so you graduate from BYU, BYU Idaho and then you move to where I moved What's back it? to California back to Cali back back moved in with my parents <laughs> back to California <laughs> I think we've all been there so by the less. time by the time I graduated I was I was a student teacher for film and uh, loving it like it was just it was super fun. We did an ad campaign for United Way. United Way? Yeah. Ooh. And uh and I did several commercials for them and uh I produced them and I and I kind of would help the t- students shoot them a little bit or direct them a little bit or edit them and I just loved it. I was like full like this is this is what I want to do in life. I want to do film. Some sort of 
venue in film. I didn't really know if I wanted to be a director or a producer or what, but I just I knew I loved the technical. So the more I researched about it, the more I knew that cinematography was was what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So okay. I came so, back to uh, <laughs> California with the with the thought of going to get a master's degree at the Art Center in Pasadena uh-huh. uh, in cinematography specifically. Okay, and did you do that? I did. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. I did. You did it. <laughs> so, I, so I was back, I think, for like seven, nine months, something like that, and, uh, and, went, and, and got accepted to Art Center and went and got my, my master's degree there. It was a two-year program, and uh, that's where I like really, I had no idea what lighting was mm-hmm. and how much of a... <laughs> lighting? What's, what's up, up with that? <laughs> <laughs> like I you know like I didn't realize that lighting was so much of what a cinematographer does. I well mean, that's like, actually why I met why I wrote what's up with that because you know it's such a huge part of filmmaking and yet it's strange because we film make films to like replicate kind of real life or so yeah, to speak. So, why can't you just put a camera on a person and just let it run? Right, right. So you like, like you don't you don't realize how much lighting is involved when you watch a movie, you know, unless unless of course you do cinematography, but yeah. like, you know, you you have lights to mimic real life, mm-hmm. but it just enhances it. You know? Right. So it's like so you, you tell the camera what to see. So that's and you, the only way you can really do that is by directing the light. Mm-hmm. It's really it's so it blew my mind. When I got there it was just like, I don't I don't know how to do this, mm-hmm. you know, before it was like, here's a powerful light, I'm just going to put it on your face. Yeah. And uh, you don't really understand why you're doing it, but yeah. uh, that's what that's what school does. Well, is, it be, is it because the camera sees differently than the human eye, and also it's for a image to be projected on a giant screen, kind so it's going to so, look differently? Yeah, well, so right, light is relative, mm-hmm. and what that means is, you know, like our eyes adjust constantly, they're constantly adjusting to, you know, when we walk outside, it's... It's changing the white balance automatically. Your brain does it, so you don't even really realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're changing the iris and your pupils, and so like there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't even think about. The camera can't do that. You tell the camera what to look like, right? You tell the camera how wide the iris is, right? And the yeah. white balance, yeah. So, so you, so when I say light is relative, I mean, you know, you could you could walk into a room and it could be blinding. There's so much light, but you could tell the camera just see a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, just see the parts that I want you to. And so, you've got like these hard, hot lights on certain objects, but if you iris down, it's just going to appear like a little pool of maybe a lamp light or something like that, right? So, so yeah, you, you tell the camera what to see. And mm-hmm. that's how it's a little bit different than the human eye. That's why when you walk into a film set and you go, this looks fake and weird. But then you go look at the camera monitor and yeah. you go, whoa, that looks awesome. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure you had that experience a few times. Yeah. Well, like, um, Uncool Ronathan, when yeah. he would come out of the curtains, I'd be like, it, whatever, but on camera, he's in darkness, 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 and then you just see his face, and it's yeah. so shocking. Yeah. You yeah. Um, is What's the theory behind that, though, in terms of, like, I think I really noticed it in the movie The Judge. I don't know if you saw that, but I remember watching the trailer and being like, the lighting in this is really interesting because all you see are half faces Mm -hmm. because they really everything's super contrasted and like you know a lot of stark shadows and like i wonder what the thought process is of a cinematographer or a dp 
By the way, you should talk about the difference between DP and cinematographer. Cause, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I know they kind of overlap in certain ways and yeah. they're different in others. Because I'll tell people, like, I'm a cinematographer, but then, like, they'll He's say, our DP. Do you want, like, uh, do, for the credits, do you want to be called <laughs> cinematographer or director of photography? And I always say, director of photography. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, it's, for me, I, I think the, the difference is more, is more, like, if you're shooting a documentary, you're going to have a director of photography, mm-hmm. and then you'll have, like, other, like, camera people or lighting people that you could also call a cinematographer, mm-hmm. but there's one director of photography, and there can be multiple cinematographers. Got it. So, I mean, but even, like, in a feature film, like, I'll see, like, either director of photography or cinematographer. Like, it, it varies. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. So, anyway, sorry, I... Yeah, I know side, I threw two questions track. at yeah. you. Oh man, the theory behind lighting, like, what? How does one decide? Okay, I really want there to be a lot of shadows on faces in this. Well, you and, have to you, know? you have to get creative because I mean, there's there's so many different parts to the story, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone's trying to tell the story through their medium, and uh, the cinematographer has to do the same thing. They have to kind of read the script, get a feel for how it's going to play, and then decide how to convey a message or a story through lighting and through camera movement and through lens choice and so it's like it's their own art form you know how can i bring this story to life and tell it through the imagery Mm -hmm. so so that's that's going to be like when i read a comedy i'm like well (laughs) (laughs) lots of light (laughs) wide bright colors you know and lots in focus i was going to say how does color factor in all this because i know that also is a thing with wardrobe that's where you could probably get into a little bit of yeah issues. so I'll, I'll try and and stay out of the other departments you know like uh-huh. if, like i'm not going to go over to wardrobe and say hey you know it'd be really great if you wore orange <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's how you get in trouble real fast yeah um but uh i mean if if i do say anything to wardrobe i'll i'll be cautious about like there's something with different types of textures or fabrics that create mm-hmm. something called moray. It's like a yeah, basically that's a rainbow. The that's like the wiggle in the eyes. No, or? no. Um, the wiggle is is when you move the camera really fast. It's called rolling shutter. But right. No, oh, I mean, oh, I mean, like, like a... if there's like patchwork fabric, yes, like crisscrossing yes. fabric, and your eyes it like wiggles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so sometimes it shows up like a rainbow effect on camera. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just not good. So yeah. Um, the camera I use these days doesn't really get that. So. Yeah, I don't have to worry about it too much. Well, speaking of which, <laughs> one of my notes was was is your Alexa and and the whole thing with cameras. Um, I guess let's start with the camera. As as an actor starting out, I would get audition notices for things, and they'd say, "We're shooting on the Red Epic." Right. Ooh, we're shooting on the the this other one, and yeah. like I don't know all the different types of cameras. But was that ever appealing as an actor? I was gonna say, like <laughs> as an actor, I'm just like. I don't care. I don't, I don't care, care what, what yeah. camera you're using. It's not like I'm just going to act. You know, yeah. it doesn't change my acting yeah. in any way. It could be an iPhone. I'm going to act the same way. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know I did pick up on they're trying to get you excited about like it's a really high quality camera. Sure. But so I guess my question to you is, um, as I learn about the stuff, I know that like like sensors are different and all that stuff. So it 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 captures an image differently. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, I mean, can you just kind of give a little insight into the different types of cameras, like, and why it would be important to an actor? Oh, sure. You know? Um, different sensors are different. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. There you go. No, so, like, you know, I don't, I don't think, personally, having, I've shot on everything. You know, I've shot on DSLRs, I've shot on the Red Epic, 
uh, and the Ale- I own an Alexa. And so it's like, to me, the Alexa just makes my job easier because it sees, it actually sees very cinematically and closer to the human eye. And so, and so what I see, I know that the Alexa is going to pick up, right? Um, the Alexa is very soft in nature. It's just a very soft camera on skin tone. So that is appealing to an actor. So that, that might be something mm-hmm. where an actor goes, oh, the Alexa, I know that I'm going to look good no mm-hmm. matter what. Like I can shoot two, three, four stops overexposed on skin tone and still be able to grab a ton of detail and make it look really good. So it's like, that's in stops, I'm saying it's like, basically, I'm telling the camera to see, to basically blow out the eyes, yeah. right? I'm just like, blow it out. But it can, it retains information so well, especially in the skin tone, mm-hmm. which is, of course, what filming is all about. Yeah. When I, when I set the camera settings, I'm, I'm exposing to what skin tone is going to pick up, how it's going to pick up. And, uh, and the Alexa seems to work the best in that, in that realm. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, the, the reason people say that, though, like, we're shooting on the Red Epic, <laughs> or we're shooting on the Alexa, is because they're tech heads, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of excited about mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't really mean anything, but they think it means something. Yeah. So, so they say it anyway. Yeah, well, there was, there was a film at Sundance that was shot on an iPhone, Tangerine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> so so my 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 whole thing to say you know the cinematographer starting out is it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like as long as I mean lighting is key, lighting is what's gonna get you the best look no matter what. The camera it's a tool, it just is you know it's like you said that like it's a dick like right God the camera's such a tool it's such a tool <laughs> yeah exact no no I kind of mean it both ways but you know you, what I mean oh, yeah it's just like <laughs> it's just there to to capture an image on a sensor you know they're all they all have sensors they all have unless you're shooting film of course mm-hmm. they all have lenses um i would say choose better lenses before you choose a better camera nice good piece of advice yeah for you filmmakers starting out yeah um in talking i, I found it really interesting to talk to you about your whole the whole like you have a business that's surrounded by your camera like people rent time with you and your camera you yeah. know and so you had to spend a long time building your package, if you will, like your lenses and everything. Yeah. I mean, can you just talk about, like, it's almost like um, kind of building a boat. I, I mean, that's on my mind because of Havasu. <laughs> okay. or, or like a car. Like, yeah. you, you know, you buy the shell and then you start adding all the parts to it. The yeah. Alexa is the same way, right? It is. I mean, unfortunately, you can't really rent just a camera body. You know what I mean? I mean, you can and people can go get lenses and stuff from elsewhere, but that's just a hassle for them. And I kind of wanted to become like this this uh like individual entity that could be like well do you need an alexa with everything okay well here you go and i just kind of so for me it is there's two parts to my business there's the shooting part which is great i really enjoy it i enjoy shooting commercials documentaries feature films whatever i can get and i and i happen to have this amazing camera and i'll bring it and you can rent that separately from my rate you know and so you kind of get two rates there that you you pile on to each other. Um, but then I also rent my camera to other people. Um, and so I'll be able to say, you know, I put it up online, you know, like, hey, I've got this camera and lenses and support and battery and media and mm-hmm. map box and follow focus. And, you know, like, so there's all these things that they yeah. can start tacking on. So it's just one-stop shop. And it's just for their convenience. Yeah. So, um, can you say how much your package is worth? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I've I I put about eighty five thousand dollars into it. Eighty five thousand dollars into that camera. Yeah, and I I had it on my shoulder. Yes, you I did. You it. did. You old. held it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with lenses and support and battery and cards and everything. Yeah, yeah. it came out to about eighty five grand, which it's is a, which and is a lot. And I'd imagine that takes a while to build up, right? Like how how, how what was your journey yeah, of of creating it took about that it took about six months and. Um, because, I mean, I knew going into it that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of like, okay, well, here's the cash. Let's just do it. We could either buy a house or we could buy a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs shelter when you can film your life? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was, it was, you know, I wouldn't have done it if it had not been for my wife, which is crazy. Like, yeah. she's, she's extremely supportive, dude. Yeah. She, uh, like, I, I, I remember the day I bought it because I saw it on Craigslist, of all things, this camera bought what? it. What? And it was a really good deal. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, what am I going to do? So I was like, I, I talked to my wife about it. And she was like, you should do it. I was like, okay. So I went and looked at the camera. And it was in great condition. And I talked the guy down even more. And it was just like, oh, I have to do this. And so I went to the bank. And I spent a whole hour outside the bank pacing. Like walking back and forth, they probably thought I was like planning to rob. Rob it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so so I uh, you know was pacing outside the bank. I called everyone I knew. I called all my DP friends. I called my dad, and then I called my wife, and she just goes, "Look, Lars, they're like reds are a dime a dozen out there right now. Like everybody's got a red, and they're just not special anymore. So if you want to take your cinematography game to the next level." This is what's going to do it. This is going to allow you to get those jobs that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get because you didn't have this to offer. Mm. And I just hung up the phone. I was just like, you're awesome. I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked in and I and I got the, uh, got the uh, uh, what do you call it? The Check. loan? Or... No, it was... It well, was so uh, how much was this original this, deal? The, the, camera, the camera body was 32700 Jesus. Yeah, and uh, which is a great deal. Actually. Yeah, like, I was, but it's just my car's not worth that much. Oh yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Like going home in my car, I was like, "This is worth double my car." <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so that was like, and I, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a loan; it was cash. So that's why it was like, it was so scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, bought it, and it was probably the best decision I ever made because I, I booked four feature films this year, so it's like. This year already. This year. And it's already. April. It's April. Well, I mean, shooting, I shot one in mm-hmm. uh, March, shooting another one in May uh, out of the country, and then I'm shooting uh, one of our Jeremy's film Circle in June. Nice. Um, and then I'm shooting a film in Salt Lake City uh, in August. Jeez. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. All on this camera, too. So it's. It was, uh, and that, I mean, that, those four films alone paid for the entire investment, you know, mm-hmm. so. Um, so you did not go to film school. I did. You did? Oh, right. You yeah, got your master's. My, my master's degree. Sorry, I was thinking about undergrad. Yeah. So you did go to film school. Yeah. I'm going to cut that out and just make it sound like <laughs> I totally knew what I'm saying. <laughs> so you, I haven't been listening. <laughs> It was just so quick. You were like, master's in cinematography. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> so you went to film school. I did. <laughs> yes. Art Center, College of Design. Thank yeah. you for listening. Yeah, you got yeah. it. <laughs> um, 
uh, there's this. I feel like there's going to be this forever yeah. long battle between yes. people being like, you need film school, you yeah. don't need film school. Yes, I knew that question was coming. I know. What's your take on it? Ooh. I mean, let's Here's, weigh in here, Lars. Okay, Art Center is stupid expensive. It's uh-huh. like twenty thousand dollars a semester, right? A semester? A semester, twenty grand. Wow. It's the most expensive private art school in the country. Um, I had a full scholarship. Wow. So I didn't pay a dime. Look at you. And so I cheated though. Like what? My dad teaches there. So like it wasn't it wasn't because I was good or anything. It was my dad taught there, so I got a scholarship and I did school for free. So like kind of good preparation for Hollywood though, if you think about it. <laughs> Great preparation, exactly. <laughs> so the problem is I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I made I made Great friends, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not working with those friends. I do maybe 20% of my business mm-hmm. through the people I met at yeah. Art Center. Um, I guess <laughs> Red Easton Ellis was talking on his podcast about um, the fact that student filmmakers now are just creating reflections of what they, you know, reflections of Reservoir Dogs and Apocalypse Now, and, and they're just trying to recreate the things that inspire them mm-hmm. as opposed to just getting their own experience and creating their own point of view and own vision, you know? Well, have people been doing that forever? Yeah. You know, like, every every art form is just a recreation of something that's already existed. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even even if you look at, like, wall paintings back in the ancient times, you know, it's just like, that wasn't, they didn't even know what that was. They were just like, here's a story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, it, but it turned into art, and then it was art that was replicated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't feel like, I feel like even with with film, you know, it's like there's, I think it was Paul McCartney that said, all the music has been created, it's just being recreated, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just we're borrowing from other people and we're just trying to create the same thing Mm -hmm. that people like, because I mean, the stories are as old as time, you know, I mean, look at the Bible and it's just like, the stories are the same as the stories we watch in the movies today, you know, like storytelling is the same, and so it's just some some of it works and some of it doesn't and so i don't know if i agree with that well so then what did you learn in film school that you like that you wouldn't otherwise learn and since everything is just recreation right you'll figure it out anyway for me it was a lot of technical it was it was most most all technical actually you know it's like it's it's one thing to say oh you know like it's a soft light Mm -hmm. but it's another thing to say it's a nine light bounced into a 12 by pushed through some full grid you know what I mean? Like that's a completely like you can't yeah. you can't just know that yeah. instinctively. You have to learn that. You know, it's like this is a very strong nine thousand watt light, <laughs> and you push it into this white bouncing source that mm-hmm. then goes through a shear source <laughs> that creates a very large soft light. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that's that's not something that you can yeah just know instinctively. So then, what was the most valuable thing you learned? For me, it was the lighting. It was the lighting. Yeah. So, so like I said, I yeah. mean, there's because like going into it, I had no clue how much goes into the lighting, mm-hmm. and there's and I will forever be learning about lighting. Lighting. What's up with that? What's up with that? <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs> there we go. Another recreation. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So speaking of that though what are your inspirations what like in in the film like what films do you see and you're just like i know you said the thin red line yeah so when i was a kid i was like 12 years old 
my dad took me to see Saving Private Ryan, but we got there like an hour early, so we stepped into Thin Red Line, because I think those came out about the same time. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was 12, you know, so I was, I was a stupid kid. Like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I didn't know about film at all. But I remember, I do remember seeing the shots, and, I, and it was, it just felt so different. I remember the, for the first time watching a film and thinking, this is, you know, they're not, they're not just, like, killing each other for, like, sheer violence sake, you know, just to be in a film, kind of like Saving Private Ryan was, you know, like, but it was, it was so artistic, it was so poetic, mm-hmm. and I remember watching some of the shots, you know, like, especially, I, I do remember, as a 12-year-old, that, that 100-foot crane shot, where they're mm-hmm. going up the hill, and they're falling behind on the grass, and I thought, what is it about this that just is different, and uh, so, years later, you know, I, I realized, like, that was my inner cinematographer, <laughs> like, talking to me, saying, Lars, Lars, this this is special. <laughs> you you should pay attention to this. So like that was I think that was the first time I remember being, being like, really uh, struck mm-hmm. um, by how beautiful something could be in film. Yeah. Um, and then later when I was sixteen, I watched uh, Road to Perdition, <clears throat> and that was like okay, this is I understand better. This is awesome. And I love this. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that this looks, especially that, that ending scene. Well, the whole film just looks awesome. You know, like, when he's, in, when he's in complete darkness, and all of a sudden, like, he starts firing his gun, and you can just see the muzzle flashes on his face, and he's just like, like, that's beautiful! And that's, that's, that's what I mean by visual storytelling through the eyes of the cinematographer. Mm-hmm. That gun wasn't actually firing, and they had to create that effect with lighting. Yeah. And so, like, that special effect is telling such a powerful story but it's a cinematographer's job, along with the gaffer. Yeah. So movie magic. Movie magic, man. Um, ooh, yeah. Were you gonna say something? Oh, just the the, the final scene of Road to Perdition, yeah. where he's he's yeah. in that at the beach house and everything's just so pure and white. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's a cinematographer's job, yeah. uh, along with the art art director. Um, who are who do you think are because cinematographers are kind of unsung heroes, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I know everybody was like. Uh, all, all up in arms about um, Bird, Birdman. Oh yeah, like just just talking about how crazy he was and the whole like oneer aspect of it all and yeah. everything. But like, but you nobody. I mean, I'm sure filmmakers know the name, but of the guy who's responsible for that, you know? Yeah. Um, Chivo. Man- yeah, Chivo. Yeah. yeah. Emmanuel Lubeski. Lubeski. Yeah. Um, but so, like, con- <laughs> I don't want to call him common folk. <laughs> But non-film people. Yeah. You know, the, com- the, the commies. <laughs> the commies. Um, who, are so, who do you think are some, like, unsung heroes of cinematography? Like, people who you, like, really admire that no one would know their name. Oh, see, that's the thing. Remember about names? Remember what I said about names? Oh, yeah, you're terrible with names. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you got them. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes you got them and sometimes, sometimes you, you don't. don't, man. That was so confusing for us. <laughs> we were sitting around a circle and, and you just go, names. Sometimes you got them. And we were like, what do you mean, Lars? And he's just like, you know, Andrew? He's, he's got, got names. names. He's got the gift I of the names. Don't No, but you didn't even say that. You didn't say that. You just said, Andrew's got the names. I don't have the names. And we were like, what do you mean? What names? And what you were trying to say was... I'm terrible with names. Terrible with names. (laughs) Yes, that was my very, very confusing way of saying I'm bad with names. Yeah. 
So, so Conrad Hall is... Ah, is, we got a name. Is great. You got a name. Is phenomenal. And what, what would he be known for? Do you I know? Road to Perdition. Gotcha. I mean, but he's like a classic cinematographer. He was shooting stuff back in the 70s. It's mm-hmm. just like... like Every, it's just amazing stuff. But uh, he passed away since, and his his son does cinematography. Actually, um, another Conrad Hall. Uh, but Is it Conrad uh, Hall Jr. Or? Conrad Hall Jr. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, there. I mean, he's he's talented, but his dad is like a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Roger Deakins. You know, it's like Shawshank Redemption, Skyfall. But here's here's a cinematographer that's you know kind of a classic cinematographer who's been doing stuff for years and years, mm-hmm. and and then says, oh, here's a here's a new. Uh, Digital camera. Let's try it out on our film. And he he ended up shooting Skyfall on the Alexa, mm-hmm. which is crazy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like here's this like classic cinematographer, and they've got the budget for film, and he mm-hmm. goes, no, no, let's shoot digital. And and so I like this guy because he's able to adapt, and he's and I feel like that's a really powerful tool for cinematographers is mm-hmm. the ability to no matter where you are in life, adapt and adopt the next new thing. Mm-hmm. And not be curmudgeonly just like, no, no. I mean, there are those cinematographers. I mean, they shot like, actually the the most, the Spectra, the new James Bond film coming out, Mm -hmm. and the new um, uh, Mission Impossible film were both shot on film, Hmm. which is very interesting to me. I mean, different cinematographers for both those films, but but they they chose film. Like, why? I... I don't they, know. I, I really don't know. Like I, they must have thought that it gave it a certain grit. That yes, maybe but it seems like it wanna in, in this day and age where like film studios are just the writings on the wall. Like you said, like when a uh, Garage Band came out, like that's it's it. The same thing. That's it's it. like exactly. writings on the wall. Why would you go the extra, spend the extra penny on <sighs> film? Extra money and time. I mean, like they obviously have ways of getting their dailies. You know, they record a crappy digital image as well that comes off of the mm-hmm. the sensor for the film or not sensor but the eyepiece for the film camera mm-hmm. but that's like it's just hard it's yeah. just hard you know then you have to go process the film and you know you have to expose it properly and you have to like load your film mags and so you only get 12 minutes of roll time you know so it's like i don't know like i've never shot film except for in class mm-hmm. and even then it was such a pain in the butt dude mm-hmm. like if i can get an image that's as good and like i'm sorry to all you like hardcore yeah, i'm sure there's some cinephiles that are like up in arms right now I'm right sure. what like, do you mean but the problem like the thing is the reality is the digital one like mm-hmm. it just won like the alexa looks as good as film and it's cheaper and easier to deal with and that's just that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, the cinematographers have spoken. The last four uh, best cinematography movies in the Academy Awards were all shot on the Alexa. And so you got Hugo, Life of Pi, uh, Gravity, and this year uh, Birdman. With, with Birdman. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, that's it, you know. I, so I don't know why a studio would still choose to shoot film. Yeah. Uh, it's a cinematographer and director's choice ultimately, but, you know, it's old dogs. Yes. Yeah. Old tricks. Um, we've talked to this whole time and, and we haven't really mentioned the fact that we work together on Highway to Havasu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's <laughs> like, go there. <laughs> I realized, uh, 40 minutes in that <laughs> we haven't wow. touched wow. on that. Um, <laughs> so you are our cinematographer for the film, Highway to Havasu. Director of photography, how dare you. <laughs> so you are our director of photography for <laughs> Highway to Havasu. You do not need to edit that out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, first of all, glad we've established that. And you're yeah. very you're very talented 
and love watching our dailies or yeah. our yesterdays our, or our tomorrows, tomorrows. <laughs> depending on how tired we are, yeah. I think is what dictates <laughs> the name changes. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, it's better than dailies tomorrows because I want to go to sleep. <laughs> tomorrows are the best. <laughs> tomorrows always look so much better than dailies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so just talk, talk me through your thought process. Um, with Highway to Havasu, like when you read the script and how you're starting it, and it, I know you said it's a comedy, so wide lenses and colors and very bright. But I did say wide lenses, and we did have our fair share of wide lenses. I used my 25 millimeter lines a lot in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there were certain moments that we would I would went the total opposite, which I maybe broke some rules on. I don't know, because it just seemed it just seemed fun. Like I. I personally love longer lenses. I love it when you, when you push in and you get that beautiful soft focus in the background. With the we call it bokeh. It's out of focus points of light that mm-hmm. kind of just shimmer. Um, and I, so I love that look. And so for me, it was like this this trying to find this marriage between okay, well we start in this wide, and yeah, we've got to get this like wide establishing so you can see everything. But then, but then in those like dialogue moments, like uh, where they kind of settle in and they're talking to each other. I really love just the look of longer lenses. Mm-hmm. And so comedy's supposed to live in a wide. I mean, that's the general rule. And I think we follow that for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of those, especially with um, kind of the locations we were at. You know, it was like some of the outdoor scenics. It was just like, oh, yeah, well, we have to. You know, was, yeah. um, the focus thing, I didn't really follow at all. I, I, I kept everything pretty shallow focus mm-hmm. just because it's aesthetically pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any kind of establishing shot had a deep focus, just so you could kind of see, oh, like, here's everything, and it's sharp. But then once we jumped in, yeah, it was pretty shallow pretty much mm-hmm. the whole time. But uh, but it was, I don't know. I, I think we ended up with some really great imagery. Yeah. Um, well, like the sunset shot. I remember we got that, what was that? That was kind of the first week. Yeah. That was incredible to yeah. watch, just to see me in my bathrobe overlooking the cliff and sunset. You know, it's funny, it's like... like Someone will watch that and say, oh, they had a good cinematographer. Uh-huh. The fact of the matter is we had a good location. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, location is so much of what cinematography is. If you If you give me a location that's, especially interior locations, that are big, and I have tall ceilings, and I have big windows, I can, I can work with that. But if you give me a tiny box, the cinematography is just not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Because I have no place to hide my lights, or route my power. Or push light in, direct it from windows. Like, it's really hard. Like, mm-hmm. when they're like, okay, we're going to be shooting in this tiny bathroom, and it's not a stage. It's like, oh, oh, crap. Like, how am I going to make this look good, you yeah. know? So, location is actually a huge part to having things look good. Interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a nice bunch of actors probably listening to this, because mm. they're my, my friends. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, as a cinematographer, what do you like to see from actors? Mm. Know where your light is. Hmm. That's a tricky one. And, I, and, I, and it's like some actors just get it and they nail it. And they can they know how to find the light. So like what I mean by that is say someone like oversteps their mark. Now they have a shadow on your face. Mm-hmm. Like a good actor would know to step to the left mm-hmm. just a little bit so that the light, so you find the light, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you think like subconsciously, I'm going to hide from that light because it's hurting my eyes. And that's what you would do in a normal situation, right? Because it's this, like, strong, powerful light source in my eyes. Yeah. So this person's blocking it for me. Thank you, person. But in film, 
that's like when I'm on camera, it's like the worst thing ever. You know, it's like I just lit the scene and they overstepped their mark, and now there's like this worthless piece of, you know, like something. Like we can't, we're not gonna be able to use this. And uh, good actors will be able to adjust to that. Find the light, and uh, and make sure they're on their marks next time. Mm. Hit your marks, I guess. Yeah, hit your marks. Find the light. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Anything else, like in terms of? Because I know that a big part of um, the system that we learn in my class is that basically uh, there's so many acting classes that focus so much on emotion mm. and being emotionally available and everything. However, it's worthless if it's not um, aesthetic, if it's not uh, photogenic. Yeah. So it's got to be essentially photogenic emotion. See, the problem, you know? like, I would never go to, uh, to a director and say, that that wasn't emotional enough, or that was too emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wouldn't do it. You know, that's why we have director's monitors. Yeah. So that they can, the director can actually be, like, watching the performance on camera, and if there is something that's a little bit not believable or just not selling the audience, that he can say, hey, you know, t- dial it back just a little bit. You know, we're on a longer lens here. We can really see those micro-expressions. Like, Maybe just dial it back a little bit. Um, but I, as a cinematographer, I have to restrain myself sometimes because it's a very technical job, and that's the job. You know, so if I go to a director and say, his performance wasn't believable, mm-hmm. like, that's grounds for firing a cinematographer, you know, because it's yeah. just like they wouldn't do that. Unless, of you know, I, I felt like I could do that with Jeff, because the director of Highway to Havasu, mm-hmm. because we are friends and we've established a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and so... And he has approached me and said, you know, like, oh, yeah, just let me know. Like, if anything, if you see anything that I don't, just mm-hmm. just let me know. What are things like, um, we call it Abe Vigoda-ing. Okay. When I don't know what someone, that is. someone gets angry and they do this and they lift their shoulders up <laughs> into their neck. You know, something like that. Yeah. And I feel like as a cinematographer, you'd be like, that just looks ugly, you know? That yeah. just doesn't look pretty in the frame and it's going to be strange. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I think is more what I'm getting at. But even that, like, so you have you to like, like when I when I show up to a set, mm-hmm. it is about the location. Like actors to me are like objects. Like I don't think about them. I mm-hmm. can't. You know, like it's it's how's the light <laughs> on your face mm-hmm. and on your clothes, mm-hmm. and then I step away, and that's it. My job is done. So even like weird stuff like that, if it doesn't work, the director and the producer or whatever have to see it and they have to point it out, and it's. Like, depending on who my director is, I sometimes won't say a thing. Mm-hmm. I can't say how many sets I've been on where something is just not working. Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows why except for me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I see it and I'm going, oh, this is like, yeah. it's so obvious. But uh, but I don't say anything mm-hmm. because it's not my place. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's something that's actually really important on film sets and really hard for a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's hard for me. You know, where, where you see something, it's just not working, and it's just not going to cut well or whatever. Actually, the cutting thing is kind of my job. Mm-hmm. If something won't cut well, and I know it, I do say something. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, that's a huge reflection on cinematographer. I mean, we, we reshot two shots mm-hmm. in, in Highway because something didn't cut well. We did? I... <laughs> <laughs> that was so stressful. Yeah. And so, you know, like, yeah. and that was, but that was my fault, you know. So, like, you... I don't know. So it's like, that's that's the kind of stuff that I have to be thinking about the entire time. So I can't think about a performance or a shoulder shrug yeah. or, you know, like a line that was too emotional. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think about that stuff because I have to think about eye line, I have to think about lights and, 
lenses and movement and yeah. there's a lot else that, that goes into it. Yeah. So it's that it's that way by design. Um, one last thought on all that is our system is based on the idea that movie stars just move less. We call it minimal movement. Oh, interesting. And so at, you can go down the list of the top actors based on earnings or awards or whatever, and you'll see that they just simply move less. Interesting. Because the cameras amplify so much, the more you move, the less, the more you give up power. So the less you move, the more you hold on to your power. Hmm. And so that's why people are starstruck or everything is because movie stars just move less. So it's like very off-putting. Like, oh my God, they're not moving. So, <laughs> like subconsciously, you're just like, wow. Is this one of those things that's just like not really true, but we believe it is? I mean, the thing is, is it works wonders for us Yeah. in our class. Like we've, you can watch somebody who just huh. starts class and watch them progressively get more and more still and get more and more better and stronger. And their performances just improve and improve and improve. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe this is new to, new to you, and you'll look out for it. But yeah, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. that's an interesting thing to watch for. Yeah, and I've just blown the lid. You just blown the lid. It, but you know what? It, it makes for better actors, and it's the technique that we work on. And I'll look out for it. I, yeah. You know, it's not something that I've uh, I haven't worked with too many talented actors. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> that was, that was harsh. <laughs> Thanks, no, man. like, I, but I, what I'm saying is like, like, uh, like I did, I did a film with uh, Sally Kellerman. She was um, in Mash. She was back in like the '70s. Uh-huh. She was nominated for an Academy Award for that role. And like, I, I did a film with her recently. You know, she's a lot. She's much older. But um, I'm trying to think if I noticed a difference. And mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I mean, she obviously like was able to hit her marks, and she, you know, found the light. And so stuff like that was very obvious. Like mm-hmm. I never had to say like, oh. You missed the mark there, mm-hmm. like even even as like an older actress, like she she nailed it every time. Uh, Gary Busey, on the other hand, <laughs> that guy <laughs> was insane. Yeah, I mean that's the end of that sentence. Uh-huh. Just insane. <laughs> gotcha. It's like he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't sit still and yeah yeah. If he was if his mark was a confined box, he wouldn't be able to find it. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, cool. Well, I'm, I hope. Let's check back. Let's do a part two of this, and we'll check back. Yeah, I'm gonna we'll look it. out for it now. Yeah, watch out for that. Um, and I guess we're we're coming to the end. Yeah. Um, this has been a we, very enlightening do? talk. Oh, good. Learned a lot. Did we do okay. I think so. All right. And uh, in closing, I mean, uh, you rent out your camera. I do. So what's and you rent out your filming services. Yes. What's the craziest thing anyone's ever asked you to film? That you can talk about, obviously. Uh, but, like, what's the weirdest thing where someone's been like, I want you to film this? You know what I mean? Probably Highway to Havasu. Are you serious? <laughs> All the stuff know. we did in Highway to Havasu? <laughs> yeah, there was some weird stuff, man. There was some yeah. really weird stuff in Highway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I guess people will just have to tune in to find out. I know, that was my first... And by tune in, I mean buy a movie ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was my first strip club experience ever. Ah. And, uh... In, in Mine too. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Oh, First man. time in a strip club and I'm wow. And I got to touch one of them. Oh, gosh. No. No. That was weird. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. With my face. With on your face. Her butt. It was amazing. It was amazing. But it was so weird. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I remember like there's one point in the strip club where I I put my arms up to rest them on this like railing behind me. Uh huh. And I put yeah. them down, and it was like this brass railing, and I like put them, and I immediately thought this is a terrible idea. So I went to take my arms off, and they were like, 
They peeled off. <laughs> peeled off. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm holding my arms out. Like, where do I go? Where do I go? So I ran outside and there were like these alcohol wipes at Crafty. And it's like wiping my arms down. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was like crying. It's my first ship club experience. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, uh, it was I, um, Yeah, that was a good. I don't know. I've been asked to film time. funerals. Really? Yeah. On a on a side note, because uh-huh. <laughs> I do I do event videography. You know, I've got yeah. a wedding videography business, and um and and I yeah. So every once in a while, I will get a phone call and hi, can you film a funeral? And I've never done one because like it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> and then and then uh, doesn't like, sound. And I'll just give them a ridiculous rate. Be like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be five thousand dollars. You know, and they're like, oh, we have three hundred. Uh huh. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you know, just because it doesn't just doesn't sound like a good time. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, other than that, no, there's it's pretty standard stuff. You know, music videos, commercials. I mean, I just did a commercial two weeks ago. With a, uh, uh, it was a we we shot the entire thing in a bathroom, huh. and uh, it was like five actors in a small bathroom, mm-hmm. and. We had I so I shot it on a DSLR because it was just like there's no way I'm getting any other camera in mm-hmm. here, and but there, our guy our main talent was like kind of an overweight dude and he was naked the entire time <laughs> he had like a, a little like nude thong uh-huh. kind of thing on uh-huh. that just didn't look comfortable at all uh, but yeah so like that was like the whole point was just like these four women walking in this bathroom and and totally like don't notice this guy that's just like uh, hello <laughs> so but that was pretty strange and that one uh, that that'll come out pretty soon you'll cool. I'm sure you'll see it but yeah are you allowed to say who it is no no okay. not yet but yeah cool. so people scanned the YouTubes for a naked fat guy in a bathroom and that's right that was Lars that was me filming <laughs> um, great um, how can people if Anybody listening happens to want to use you, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, Lars Lindstrom. Just Google that. Um, just Google it, you'll find it. You'll find it. You will. <laughs> Lars Lindstrom uh, on Vimeo or Lars Lindstrom at yahoo.com. And that's L I N D. That's right. S T T R O M. That's right. Lars Lindstrom. All right. That is right. Well, thank you for having me and for taking the time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, thank you everybody for listening be sure to subscribe on iTunes if you haven't Sidekickback Radio and uh, at Sidekickback and at Andrew Fromer on Twitter and check out Facebook and yeah the only thing that's left is uh, the sign off Lars you ready for the sign off? I'm ready Sidekickback Radio watch out like that? <laughs> <laughs>